Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Too often in the rush of the season, we don't take the time to stop and take in the wonder of Christmas. Robert Quintana reminds you of what makes this time of year special, and his message, Captured by the Wonder. I remember uh, the first time I had an opportunity to go out west, to go to Colorado. Uh, Most of you know that I was born and and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and when I was a teenager, my my parents, my whole family moved down to Florida, so I was an East Coast boy. And you know, as beautiful as it is around here, I mean, the Appalachian Mountains are just beautiful. Tennessee, North Carolina, Maryland is such a beautiful state. Of course, we have the coastline. And down in Florida, you have the warmth, you have the beaches. Um, as beautiful as it is on the East Coast, um, I guess since, you know, I was already older, I was an adult, this was my first time going out West, I was just taken back by the majesty and just the beauty of the Rocky Mountain Range. I mean, I was just taken back by the splendor of it all. I mean, as beautiful as these mountains are here, there is something, if you've never seen it live, like, you know, yourself, up close and personal, there is something to just come upon these peaks, you know, some of which are 10 and 12 and 14,000 feet tall, and a lot of them are above timberline, and it, it is just amazing. It is beautiful. And I remember the first time that I was heading out to Colorado. I was so excited. And, and of course, making it out to Colorado by car can be a little boring. You're, you're traveling through these Midwest states that a lot of them are just flat and there's just a lot of farmland and farmland after farmland for miles and miles and miles. And if you know geography, you know that the, the one, one of the states that you have to cross before you get to Colorado, if you're on 70, is Kansas. And now Kansas is flat as a pancake. And there really isn't much in Kansas except farmland. And I have never seen roads so straight that just disappear into the horizon. That's how flat it is. And, and so I remember traveling through Kansas and thinking to myself, I think I've been juked. I don't think there are mountains out here, you know. And then you see the signs that say, you know, Colorado uh, state line, you know, 100 miles away or whatever it is. And so you're all excited because you're about to get to Colorado and you're going to see these, these mountains that everyone's been talking about. And then, you know, you cross the Colorado state line and there are no mountains, You know, for some reason, I thought I was going to see mountains as soon as I got to Colorado, but I didn't realize that the east part of the state is flat, just like Kansas. And so you're traveling and, and, you know, I got to the point where I was like, man, I, I don't think that these mountains are, you know, everything everybody says they are. And then all of a sudden, far off in the distance, on the horizon, you start to see what you think 
might be these mountains that everyone's talking about, and you're driving and you're getting closer to them and closer, and, and you think, okay, yeah, I, I see them. You know, they're getting a little bigger, and, and you think, okay, I, ch- I should be there in no time, but you just keep on going, and an hour, two hours later, the mountains are still far in the distance, and it's because you can just see for a long, long ways, and these mountains are so big that it, I mean, it's just, they look small in the distance. And as you get closer, and as I got closer, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And you get to the point where you're just like, wow, this is awesome. And I remember the first time I got to go actually into the mountains, got to go to Estes Park, Um, Got to do a few uh, trails there at the Rocky Mountain National Park, and it is amazing. Just, just overwhelming. It's just so beautiful, just magnificent. And I remember one of the first hikes that I had a chance to do in Rocky Mountain National Park was in the springtime. And we were hiking Uh, along the trail, just having a great time. I was still enamored by it all, just looking and and just looking at the peaks and the wildlife and the trees and the flowers and the smells and just everything was just, just beautiful. It's like a postcard. And I remember turning this corner and there was a meadow right there in front of me with the mountains in the background and then there was like a little lake off to the right and then there was like a little waterfall over here to the left and are you picturing this and it was the springtime so there were flowers everywhere wild flowers everywhere and I thought to myself I have never seen flowers like this before I mean, this is awesome. This is beautiful. Now, I only found out just a few years ago that I'm color deficient. In other words, I don't see the full spectrum of colors. But I remember seeing flowers of all kinds, all different kinds of colors, from reds to yellows to blues to purple. I now know that I probably couldn't even differentiate the colors, but there was just so much color out there. I was just, I was amazed. And I came upon this flower and I thought to myself, this It has to be the most beautiful flower I have ever seen in my life. And I remember coming up to this flower and just kind of bending over and just taking a a close look at this flower and thinking, this is so beautiful. I mean, this is amazing. Now, remember the context here. There's mountains all around. You know, the, the temperature was just perfect. It was cool. And I just came to this flower and I was like, this flower is just amazing. So what do you do when you see a beautiful flower? Take a picture? No, that's not what you do. You pick it, right? So I, I, I bent down and I picked this flower and I'm staring at it and I'm like, this is so beautiful. I was captivated by the wonder of this one flower. And I remember putting it in my pocket very nicely. I didn't want to bend any of the the petals. And I just remember putting it there. I'm thinking to myself, I I need to go back home and like 
you know, find out how to save this. Put it in a book. I don't know. Can you laminate them? I'm just thinking, I'm going to keep this flower. And so I put it right here and, and just kept on walking. And about half, ha- about half an hour up the trail, I see two park rangers coming down. And uh, park rangers, I've never met an unfriendly park ranger. I mean, they're just all happy. They're excited. They love their job. They're out in nature all the time. And uh, whether it's a state park or a national park, they're just friendly and they're, they want to serve. And, and so they're coming down and I say hi, they say hi, and they say, you know, how, how are you doing? How's your hike going? I'm like, oh, this is fabulous. This is great. This is my first time out here. Oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from the, you know, East Coast. My family lives in Florida. Oh, yeah, that's, you know, pretty different to, to hear and just enjoy. And, and uh, they say, what do you think of all the wildflowers? Oh, this is amazing. I've never seen so many flowers in my life. They're just awesome. And, and they say, well, just remember to stay on the trail, you know, because up here in the altitude, you know, you don't want to go off the trail because things take a, a long time to grow out here. And, you know, you just want to be mindful of all the wildflowers and just stay on the trail. Just enjoy them. Um, and, and then they said, and just remember to be particularly careful with the columbine flower. Is it Okay. Well, well, just be very careful because that's our state flower and it's, it's protected under law. And you just want to make sure that, that you don't pick that flower because, you know, you could get fined for it. Oh, no, no. I, well, what does the Columbine flower look like? I've, I've never seen a Columbine before. Oh, whoa, whoa, we'll, we'll show you. So they pull out this laminated, you know, sheet with all these different flowers. And on the back, they said, we're, we're so proud of our state flower. And, and here's the state flower, the Columbine flower. And they come in white and lavender. And I just happen to have the lavender one <laughs> in my pocket. Just, just make sure, just protect it, you know, they're, it's a state flower, and I'm like, okay, I, I will make a note of that. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Oh, no, no, I've seen them. They're, they're all over the place. I'll just make sure and, and just, but I was captivated by the wonder of the flowers that were there, and, you know, I got back home and obviously I've seen flowers all my life. I've been around flowers all my life, but I never really took the time to study or look at the flowers around me. But on that moment, I was captivated by the wonder. It was my sophomore year. I'm I'm, I'm getting to a point here, but just, just bear with me through another story. It was my sophomore year at Southern, and I needed to get um, a science class out of the way. I was studying to be uh, a minister. I was in the theology program, but you know, as all, you have to take your electives, your generals, and, and so I needed a science, and I really didn't want to take a science that would bring my GPA down, you know, so I was looking for a science that was easy. I had already taken earth science, Right? So I was looking for another easy course that would fulfill the requirement and yet I would get a good grade for. 
And so I was asking some of my buddies, you know, I need another science. What do you guys recommend? And, and one guy said, you know, you should take ornithology. I say, ornithology? What's ornithology? Ornithology sounds hard. It sounds difficult. No, I need an easy grade. I need something that will get me through and I can get an A and maybe boost up my GPA a little bit. And I was like, what's ornithology anyway? And he's like, ornithology, the study of birds. It's super easy. You want to make sure and take it by this teacher. It's an easy grade. And I was a little suspect. I was like, ah, I, you know, I don't know, you know, birds and fowl. And uh, so I went to the course outline and I started reading, you know, the description of the class. And, you know, there's like all these required field trips and that like, you know, most of the class is outside. And I thought to myself, man, this actually sounds kind of interesting. So I went to my buddy's room and I said, Bill, I said, I think I found the class that we need to take, ornithology. And he's like, birds? I'm like, yeah, I think it might actually be fun. So I read in the description how there's all these required field trips. And I'm like, okay, well, let's sign up for it. So we sign up for it. And to this day, ornithology was one of my favorite classes of my undergraduate degree at Southern. I had an absolute blast. Here I brought my first bird book that I bought while I was at Southern. And of course, any good birder has a you know good pair of binoculars. And, and God really led me to, to this pair because it's designed for um, birding. Um, I got these pair of binoculars. You're not going to believe it. They retailed for like $250 and I got them for 30 bucks. Can you believe that? 30 bucks. And they're designed for birding because you see here, there's a zoom. So if the zoom is open, you you have a a wide range, a a big field. And then when you spot a bird, because I don't know if you've ever tried to spot a bird through binoculars, it can be a little difficult. You know, you, okay, you see it and then you go, uh, where is, oh, there, it's kind of hard. So this way you get a big field, right? And then once you see it, then you zoom in on it. It's awesome. I got it for 30 bucks. Someone had returned it because they thought it was busted. Ended up that all, they had unscrewed this and I just screwed it back in and it's worked ever since. So, right? What a blessing, right? So here was my first book and, you know, we, like the course description said, we would spend so much time you know, most of the class was outside just trying to identify birds and trying to spot birds. And, and, and I couldn't believe the first time I went out, how many beautiful birds are out there. I mean, if you really take the time to see what's flying by, you will be captivated by the wonder of the birds that are all around us. You know, we kind of take it for granted. We, we see a bird go by or we might see one perched up on a tree or maybe on a power line and we just kind of go by like no big deal. But if you take the time, I am telling you, you will be captivated by the wonder. I ended up buying uh, a second book, right, um, that has a little bit more detail. And then when I moved out to Colorado, I got the, the Western, you know, um, birds. And then later I found this one because this one, see, if I point it, you may not be able to see it, but these birds are painted. 
you know, which is really good because they point out the details that you need to see. But then this book has the actual pictures of the birds. So very bright. Can you see that? And, and unbelievable. I just couldn't believe how many different kinds of birds are out there. And I remember the first time I saw an indigo bunting. It is a bright blue little bird and they're all over the place. You just have to look for them and you'll find them. The other day, I was driving to church and I was on 40. And I see this huge bird flying. And Heather can testify. Whenever I see a bird like perched up on a power line, I'm like, Heather, look at that hawk. Yeah, I see it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Look, 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 look. I see it. Heather, look. I think it's a red-tailed hawk. I saw it. But I see this huge bird, and I couldn't exactly make out what it was because the sun was kind of behind it. But as I was driving, you know, keeping my eyes on the road and, you know, I was, I was trying to be safe, um, I, the bird, this huge bird, all of a sudden starts to swoop down in front of me, and, and it left the sun you know, off to the right. So I was able now to see this bird because now the sun was shining on it. And it had this bright white head and a bright white tail. And I was like, that's a bald eagle right here in Middletown. I was so excited that I got to see a bald eagle just a few miles from here, just a few miles from the church. And I'm telling you that if you take the time to look at the details, if you just take the time to just look and investigate, you too will be captivated by the wonder of it all. And here we are celebrating the Christmas season. And see, and what I fear is that for so many of us, we just kind of go through this season and never really take the time to study and look at the details of what it is that we're celebrating during this holiday season. You know, we get caught up with the Christmas trees and the presents. We, we get all caught up with, with the wrapping and we get all caught up with the secular themes of Christmas that we sometimes forget to realize what it is that we're really celebrating. We've, we are beginning, we are beginning a sermon series today entitled captivated by the wonder. And what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks is we're going to be looking at stories surrounding the birth story of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at little stories and little details because I want for us to kind of go back for the reason of the season. I want us to go back and I want us to look at why it is that we are celebrating the birth of Christ, because I believe that if we take the time to go back, we too will be captivated by the wonder of it all. There is one story that I'd like to share with you, and it's found in the book of Luke. Found in the book of Luke. So turn with me to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. Here's just one of many stories 
surrounding the birth story of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2 is the third book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 25. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, see, sometimes we just kind of read through this. And for some of us, you know, we've, we've gone through so many Christmases already that we just kind of think to ourselves, oh, we know the Christmas story. We know what happened. And a lot of us, we go to these pageants and we see these programs and the preacher will sometimes talk about the birth story of Jesus. And, and sometimes we think, you know what? I've been there, done that. Sometimes we get caught up with the secular themes of what Christmas is all about. And so we get caught up with the presents and the Christmas trees and the wreaths and we get caught up with the Christmas lights and the decoration and I got to make sure that, you know, I buy all the presents for all my nephews and nieces and, and we can't forget about grandma because they're coming over for the holidays and, and we spent all this time preparing food for the family. Not that any of that is bad. But listen, I don't want us to go through this Christmas season without taking the time to smell the flowers or look at the birds. Because I think that if we take the time to really go back to the, to the Christmas story, to the birth story, we will be captivated by the wonder. And here it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? The consolation of Israel? I was on the phone yesterday with a very good friend of mine who lives in Alaska. And we were just talking about, you know, life and how things are going. And, and I hear his youngest son crying in the background. Ah! And I, I hear Aaron say, oh, it's okay. Just come here. Just come here. And, and he's crying and he's crying and he's crying. It'll be okay. And I hear a, and the crying immediately stopped. And the baby went back. And I was like, Aaron, did you just kiss him on his boo-boo and he just stopped crying? He says, oh, yeah. They just need to know that somebody cares. He was consoled. And I think about this now as I read this. The consolation of Israel. I mean, how wonderful it would be for us to realize that Jesus was born on this meager little planet, because he cares. Because his heart goes out to us. Because we need consolation. Because we need comforting. And that in this birth story, we are told here that God cares, right? And so let's keep on reading. It says, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In other words, that he would not die until he saw God's Messiah or until he saw the Redeemer of the world. 
So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now, most theologians and commentaries would agree that this is happening 40 days after the birth of Christ. Christ had already gone eight days after his birth and had gone through the circumcision. And now here it was customary 40 days out to go to the temple and have your child dedicated. We understand that this was a common occurrence. In other words, parents would come to the temple all the time with their infants, with their newborns to have their child dedicated. And so it's very possible, we, we don't know if this happened in the morning, in the afternoon, but it's very possible that Simeon had already done several dedications that day. Certainly he had already done some dedications earlier in the week. This was a common occurrence and now this family, Mary and Joseph, are bringing their child Jesus to be dedicated. And so he takes this child and he says here, In verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Man, I don't know how many of us in this hectic world that we live in, I don't know how many of us are ready to say, I am ready to depart. I am at peace. I am at peace with with life and I've taken advantage of every moment of every day. I, I am fulfilled in Christ Jesus. You know, I, I am just ready to go. God, thank you for allowing me to live the years that I've already lived. I, I am happy. I am content. I am blessed. I am ready to go. I don't know how many of us are ready to say that like Simeon, but, but I suspect that there is a little part of everyone here today that would like to have that peace, that would like to be able to have that sense of security, that everything is in God's hands. My life is in God's hands. My family is in God's hands. My, my, my children are in God's hands, that you want to have that assurance that it's okay, that everything's going to be fine. And here we read about this just and devout priest who when he sees Jesus, he recognizes this young child as the consolation of Israel. He recognizes this child as the Messiah, the Redeemer of the world. And he says that I now am ready to depart in peace according to your word in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, can you just put this into context? I mean, just put yourself there. That here, this priest is looking upon this young child and he looks into this young child and he says, here in my hands is the salvation of the world. This is the promised child, the one that we have been waiting for for so many hundreds of years. Here he is. Folks, this is why we celebrate Christmas. And I know that it's a a fabricated date. It's not really when Jesus was born, but our culture and our society has, has, 
has placed this date just to, to celebrate the event of his birth. And so many times, we just run through these holiday seasons from one store to the next, just buying presents, going through our checklist, making sure that everything's done, just making sure that everyone that is supposed to have a gift has a gift, making sure that all the decorations are up. Yeah, we might, we might go to some event, we might go to a concert or whatever, and we just kind of fly through these, the, the, these seasons, and we never take the time to stop and meditate and read or study what it is that we're doing. You know, we, we run through life not focusing on the flowers or focusing on the birds. And, and as a result, we're missing out on so much. And as a result, we're not captivated by the wonder. And so my point for today's message is, I want to encourage every one of us here today to make it a point that as we enter into this holiday season, that as we enter into this Christmas season, that we be mindful to look at the details of the birth story of Christ. That we look and study on the birth story of Jesus Christ. That we Take some time out to say, you know what, I'm going to read the first few chapters of every gospel because I just want to be reminded again of why it is that we are having this holiday, why we're going into this holiday season. I just want to finish the rest of the verses here so, so that you can get the whole feel here. In verse 31, he says, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. In verse 32, I love this verse. A light, he is referring to this child that he is holding in his hands. He says, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Have you ever thought of Christmas in that context? Have you ever thought of the birth story of Christ in that context? To bring a light, a revelation to the Gentiles? And then he goes on to say, and the glory of your people, Israel. Verse 33, it says, and Joseph and his mother marveled. They were captivated by the wonder. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things, things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I do not want to go through this holiday season, this Christmas season, and not take the time to smell the roses or to look at the details of all the birds flying around. I want to be captivated by the wonder. And what I am proposing and what I am committing to you and I hope that you commit the same to me is that we're going to spend time studying and looking at the birth story of Christ and what it means, what it represents to you and to me. What does it mean for the people around us? What does it mean to our family, our neighbors? What does it mean for our future? And so I want to encourage you, go to the Christian bookstore and pick up a book on the birth story of Christ. Maybe books isn't your thing. Get an audio book. 
Maybe I'm going to encourage you to go buy one of these cheesy Christian, you know, movies with bad acting, take it home and call the family together and just sit down and watch the story, the birth story of Jesus Christ. A few years ago, Heather walked in on me. I was watching a, a claymation version of the birth story of Christ. Claymation. You know, I know those of you that have been born in a generation of iPads and iPhones probably don't even know what claymation is. But Heather walked in and she goes, claymation, I love claymation. I haven't seen claymation for years. And we sat together as a couple and we watched this cheesy, I, I have to be honest with you, but it was a little cheesy. But at the same time, it was fun. It was fun. And, and we created a memory as we watched the story of Jesus Christ being born in claymation. And there were a few scenes that I thought, did that really happen? What? And so I had to go back to Scripture and and read it for myself. And, oh, man, that really did happen. That's awesome. And so I want us to just just surround ourselves. I want want you to, to just dive into And be captivated by the wonder of the birth of our creator into this planet for the purpose of dying on the cross for your sins and for my sins. I told you that a couple of weeks ago I was at my in-laws and we had gone out uh, to uh, put out some feed and we were walking through the field and... and, uh, Doug, Heather's dad and, and his southern, you know, western draw, he says to me, you know, I don't know as much as this farm as I should. I say, come again? He said, I've lived here all my life and I don't know enough about this farm as I should. I'm not tracking you. I, I, he says, well, just, just take this grass in front of us, for instance. He says, there has to be a half a dozen different kinds of weeds here, and I don't know what they're called. And then with his boots, he props one up and he says, I've been seeing this weed all my life, and I don't know what it's called. (laughs) Now that he's older, he's realizing, man, maybe I should have paid attention to the details. Maybe I should have taken the time to just Smell the roses. Take a look at the birds. Study the flowers. And you know, for some of us, we might need to take a step back and we need to say, you know what? Maybe I need to go back and I need to spend a little more time with my children. I need to captivate the wonder that I once had when I held them in my hand as an infant. And I just need to spend a little more time with my children. Or, or maybe I need to be captivated by the wonder. And I need to spend a little more time with my spouse and just, just rekindle the flame that once used to burn bright. When everything mattered, when all the little details mattered and and everything was cute and everything was happy and and I've kind of left that place, I'm just kind of running through life with blinders on and I have a checklist every day and I just need to get through it all and as a result, we're not captivated by all the wonder that is all around us. 
You see, this theme applies in so many areas of life. But for today's message and for the purpose of this series that we're going to have, I want us to just slow down and not just run through this Christmas season. I want us to slow down and I want us to be captivated by the wonder that is the birth of our Creator onto this planet for the purpose of saving you and me. And in order to do that, we're going to slow down and we're going to take a look at some of these stories surrounding the birth. We're going to look at some of the details. But I encourage you, don't just leave it up to the pastor on Sabbath morning for this, you know, 40 minutes that we have together. No. Take the time to... Be captivated by the wonder on your own as you study, as you buy a book, pick up a movie, spend time as a family together, just going over this amazing story of our Creator being born on this planet. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link. 